Before we start today's podcast, I just want to give a quick shout out to the man himself, Mr. Honky. Follow him on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Honky. Not only is he our personal film guy, one of the best followers around on Twitter, and not to mention, he's a real dude, you know? Some people only support me when I win, and then they turn their back on me when I lose, but Mr. Honky has my back. Win, lose, or draw, so make sure you follow him right now at Mr. Underscore Honky on Twitter. Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 230, Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis, and Shaq, it's going down this Saturday. The Black Beast got his world title shot at the heavyweight championship. Yeah, man, Black Beast has been doing his thing, The you know, uh, aka the comeback kid, and I mean, uh, even with all the fallouts, the card's still very good in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, currently we're looking at Cormier as a minus 650 favorite. The comeback on Derek Lewis is plus 475. And it's interesting to mention that because Lewis has won nine of his 10 last fights. However, most of those wins, Shaq, are comeback wins. The guy just has a knack for getting his ass whooped. And uh, when you when you let down your guard for one second against the Black Beast, you're going to be uh, asleep looking up at the lights. 100%. And I mean, this guy's resume is solid, man. He beat Tybora, you know, he beat the number three guy in Volkov. He beat the number one guy in Nganu. So, I mean, uh, his resume speaks for itself. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And obviously with DC, the champ champ, won the light heavyweight championship, won the heavyweight championship. He knocked out Stipe Miocic. The guy's uh, pretty much done it all except beat John Jones. He comes in here and beats a guy like Derek Lewis. That will be the first defense of his heavyweight title. And, you know, the last champ champ we had was Conor McGregor. He wasn't able to defend either belt. So, at least for Cormier, he would be the first champ champ to defend both belts. So, that would be quite the accomplishment for him. And my boy, uh, Derek the Black Beast Lewis, you heard, he got that Popeye sponsorship. So, he's li- he's loving life, man. You know, he said a long time ago that he wasn't doing this to be the best ever. He was just doing this to take care of his family. And I got to say, man, uh, he's doing a pretty damn good job at that, Shaq. Yeah, 100%. And Cormier, you know, in my opinion, he's one of the best of all time, you know, in that top two or three discussion. I mean, you know, I think he's a good uh, representation of the sport. And, you know, uh, there's nothing bad to really say about that guy. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, uh, I mean, the only time you can pick against him, honestly, with a straight face, is if he's fighting Johnny Bones Jones. I know in the past uh, I might have said some things about Rumble Johnson, but uh, we saw how that went down, so... Just seems like John Jones is his nemesis, but I still look forward to seeing a third matchup, even though it's a uh, 0 2 as of now, man. Yeah, 100. percent And you know, John's got uh, other issues to be worried about right now. He's got to make sure he takes care of that uh, that Swedish guy. But uh, you know, hopefully, we will see a fight down the line. But you know, I think DC deserves his fair share of big money fights. You know, if he does get through this, I, I feel like he can get that Lesnar fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, John Jones is gonna get through this, man. I mean, the last time he fought Gustafsson, he didn't even train, and and he, and he beat the guy. So now. Imagine, you know, coming off that DC knockout win. And not only that, we know Gustafsson uh, has the tendency to fall short in these moments. So I can't wait till we get the chance to break down that fight. But now we got UFC 230 on our hands. Let's do the whole card start to finish, my man. Because first up in the UFC heavyweight division, we got Adam Vizarek. He's minus 210. The comeback on Marcos Rogerio de Lima Pezao is plus 175. Now, a lot of action coming in on Marcos Rogerio de Lima. They think he's going to pound out my boy uh, CV, Adam Vizarek. And the thing with Vizarek is, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, Derek Lewis being a guy that gets his ass whooped until he wins. I got to say the same thing about Adam Vizarek. He, uh, he's the king of the fluke sub, Shaq. You think he's going to do it once again here? 
Yeah, you know, it's an intriguing fight because when you look at uh, Adam's skill set, I mean, it's not very good. You know, his takedown defense isn't really good. I mean, I know he did stuff uh, a few takedowns against Anthony Hamilton, but I mean, let's just put it this way. We got 205 pounders knocking out Anthony Hamilton on the first exchange. We got, uh, you know, we got guys like, you know, bums like Daniel Spitz knocking Anthony Hamill out. Anthony Hamilton out in the first exchange, and you know Adam went three rounds with him. So, you know, uh, and it was a, it was a, you know, a very, a fairly uh, highly contested battle, man. You know, I, I can't really say Adam's really good at anything besides, you know, pulling off these, uh, these hail mary subs. And I mean, you know, we really can't call it a fluke because uh, that's what he does every fight. So, you know, Pezal de Lima. I think he's faster. I think he's stronger. I think he's more powerful. I think he's got way better boxing, way better kicks. The thing with uh, Pezal de Lima is he's a mentally weak Brazilian. You know, when uh, when shit hits the fan, this guy likes to check out. So, you know, it's really hard to trust either guy. You know, I feel like this fight could honestly be, you know, uh, closer to a pick him or, you know, a slight favorite to Adam. Just, I mean, he is undefeated. But, you know, I see Pezal de Lima whooping his ass to begin the fight and uh, eventually either taking a shot on the chin and checking out or, you know, hopping in Adam's garden and getting tapped out. You know, I feel like you can't trust either guy. You know, uh, we saw Adam's last fight against Arjan, you know, another fluke sub. You know, we did call him the fluke sub guy last week. So, you know, uh, this fight's going to be really hairy either either which way you take it. But uh, I'll take Adam Wiedrecht to stay undefeated. But, I mean, I think that line's a joke. Yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from, man. I also understand the early action on Marco Sergerio because it's basically don't get fluke subbed and you win this fight. The issue is with Marco Sergerio is, you know, uh, he's a quick tapper, Shaq. And not only is he a quick tapper, he'll tap out the shit that's not even locked in. And you don't want that with a guy like Adam Vizrek. You get inside this guy's guard, he starts uh, throwing up those triangle chokes. It doesn't even have to be locked in for my boy Marco Sergerio to start tapping that mat. That being said, it's also not going to surprise me if Marcos Ojero comes out here and just uh, runs through Adam Vizarek real quick because eventually someone is going to do that, Shaq. It might be here. It might be his next fight. But bottom line, I think Marcos Ojero de Lima is going to beat Adam Vizarek's ass until he gets tapped out with a fluke sub. So I got Adam Vizarek via submission. Now next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Montel Quick Jackson. He's minus 125. The comeback on Brian Boom Kelleher is plus 105. Now Shaq, it's the second time in a row that Montel Jackson's had to go out there and uh, fight a, you know, a veteran. It's interesting to call a guy like Ricky Simone a veteran because, you know, he's only had two UFC fights, but between you and me, I mean, that guy paid his dues on the regional scene. Brian Kelleher also paid his dues on the regional scene. Montel Jackson's been a pro for slightly over a year, but I got to tell you what, the kid's a tremendous talent, so I got to know, do you think he's going to get his first UFC win here in his second appearance? Yeah, you know, his first uh, fight against Ricky, you know, Ricky's a strong, young, hungry fighter. And, you know, uh, Ricky's got very good MMA wrestling. And, you know, Montel was just, you know, uh, just a, a step behind in the wrestling exchanges. You know, he also had some very good takedowns and had a couple good reversals. And, uh, you know, I think Montel has a bright future in the sport. Unfortunately for him, you know, he's got to, you know, uh, elevate his game very fast. You know, he's only been a, a, a pro for slightly over a year. So, I mean, this guy's already fighting guys like Ricky and Keller, a guy that's been fighting for, a, a, you know, a super long time. So Montel's got to, you know, uh, be at this level right now. You know, he's fighting top 30 guys like I said, only been a pro for a year. So, you know, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be a good fight. You know, Kelleher, uh, you know, I've bet on him in the past against uh, guys like Kenan Burrell. You know, I feel like Kelleher's the type of guy where, 
you know, if he, if he has a solid matchup in front of him, you know, a mentally weak guy or guys with, uh, you know, these garbage techniques like Stasiak or, you know, Henan Burrell, like a mentally weak, you know, Kelleher will put that pace on him and he'll beat the, and he'll beat that ass, man. You know, he's a junkyard dog. He'll move forward. He'll eat shots. And, you know, uh, going into his last fight against Lineker, he had the idea that, you know, he couldn't be knocked out. You know, he thought he was one of those guys. And, uh, Unfortunately, it didn't go his way, so it's going to be interesting to see how he returns. You know, uh, I feel like Kelleher kind of struggles a little bit at range. You know, I could definitely see Montel picking him apart at range. You know, just landing the harder shots, you know, the left kick to the body, the straight left. And, I mean, word on the street is Montel has uh, bigger hands than Nganu. So, you know, uh, I- I'm expecting to see a-, a much improved version. You know, like I said, he's only been a pro for a year. You know, I think he's... People that are only been pros for a year, man, I think they're going to be making significant gains fight to fight. You know, I think Kelleher is a finished product. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take Montel Jackson in this one, you know, by a close decision. You know, I think Kelleher will put pressure on him, but I just think Montel will land the more flashier shots. You know, the he'll be the more imposing athletic guy in there. I think he'll get a couple takedowns here and there. I see it being a closely contested battle. You know, uh, I think, uh, you know, Kelleher is just the type of guy that uh, – you know, certain fights he'll get up for. You know, I'm not sure if he's fully motivated for this one as he has been in the past. So I'll take uh, Montel Jackson. You know, for a guy that's only been a professional fighter for slightly over a year, I got to tell you what, this kid Montel Jackson, the finished product of this kid is going to be uh, something absolutely spectacular. You know, let's say he takes an L here, has to go back to the regionals. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. He's only been a professional for slightly over a year. You don't often see guys in the UFC with that little of a, of a you know career experience, I mean maybe maybe John Jones, right? So, dude, I just think that we're gonna be seeing massive leaps every single fight. It's been two months since we've seen him uh, fight, and dude, those two months—that's a long time for a kid like Montel Jackson. I mean, we can talk about the eleven-inch reach advantage, we can talk about the height advantage and all that stuff, but I mean, dude, he uses his physical uh, tools to to his advantage, man. And not only that. Let's talk about not just his talent. Let's talk about how tough this kid is. So he was in possibly the worst position you can be in in an MMA fight. Back mounted, sprawled out on a canvas. You know, nine times out of ten, when guys get in that position, man, uh, they're going to get finished. Whether it's a rear naked choke, whether it's getting pounded out, whatever the case may be. Not Montel Quick Jackson. He got back up to his feet every single time he got taken down and got out of the worst possible, worst case scenario in an entire MMA fight with slightly over a year of experience against a guy in Ricky Simone who, let's be honest, I mean, he's uh, he's going to get some big fights is all I got to say. Ricky Simone's a very tough and seasoned guy. So that spoke volumes to me about Montel Jackson's heart. And Brian Kelleher, obviously, not only has he been, has he been paying dues in the UFC, look at his wins, Yuri Alcantara, Hendon Burrell, Damian Stasiak. What about his wins on the regional scene? Julio Arce, Andre Sukumta. So the guy's been there. He's done that as well. The issue with Kelleher is, uh, you know, it doesn't, his striking defense is not the prettiest, Shaq, but man, he bites down and he makes these fights way closer than they should be, and oftentimes, uh, you know, guys will succumb to the pressure that he brings to the table, but I think that he's going to be swinging towards a lot of air in this spot, you know, if you watch that fight with Yuri Alcantara prior to Yuri shooting in for that takedown and getting tapped out with a guillotine, we got to mention, Brian does have a great guillotine, Dude, he was swinging at air. He was getting picked apart bad with a guy with an 11-inch reach advantage that's getting better every single time we see him. I think that might be a problem here. And not to mention, Kelleher is one of those guys. You know, he's going to get up for a fight like Hennon Burrell, but no one knows who Montel Jackson is, and that's not good for a guy like Brian Kelleher. I'm going to go with uh, Montel Jackson via submission here. 
Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Shane Burgos. He's minus 330. The comeback on Kurt Hollibos, plus 370. Shaq, these two are going to stand and bang until one man falls, or it's going to be a three-round brawl. Which way are you going? Yeah, you know, I think this uh, has possible fight of the night potential. You know, I think Burgos is a huge featherweight. I really liked his uh, performance against Calvin, even though he did get knocked out. You know, I felt like he had a solid second round. And I, I like his forward pressure. I like the way he goes to the body. And, uh, you know, if you exchange a straight right-left hook with him, you know, you might uh, hit the canvas hard. And, you know, Kurt's another solid guy. with the, He's also got solid pressure. You know, uh, you know, he tends to mix it up a little bit more. You know, he likes to use his jiu-jitsu from time to time and Kurt can also hit too you know he can we saw that uh Matt Bissett fight you know he he definitely has knockout power as well you know I see them uh standing in the middle but I just see uh you know I feel like Kurt's approach Kurt's uh Kurt's options in this fight are just gonna play into Burgos's favor you know I feel like uh Calvin Qatar you know he had straight punches to really uh to really hurt Burgos with that straight right, that same right hand that he floored uh, Fishgold with the, this past weekend. And, you know, I feel like uh, Burgos is a strong young kid, you know. And now he had that experience, and I feel like he's going to come back a lot better. He does get hit a lot. He gets hit five times a minute, but, you know, that's a part of his game. You know, he wants to present you that target, so you exchange those power punches with him. So, you know, I see Burgos landing the harder shots throughout the three rounds. I definitely think both guys are going to take knocks on the chin, but I just think Holobaugh can't keep that pace up that Burgos can for the three rounds. You know, I feel like Holobaugh slows down a little bit. And, you know, neither guy really has, uh, you know, the best uh, resume, but, you know, Holobaugh's a little less. Later in his career, and Burgos is still young in his career. You know, uh, uh, Burgos has that win over Rosa, Chator, and Pepe. You know, there's definitely two cans in there. But when you look at Holobaugh, you know, he really hasn't fought anybody either. You know, his wins are against Jay-Z, Danny Cedeno, and uh, ATT Muay Thai coach. So, you know, I still think it's going to be a good fight. But I, I got Shane Burgos by a 30-27 decision. It's a great fight. These two are going to stand and bang. You know, the thing about Shane Burgos' game, obviously his hands are pretty clean. But if I had to have one criticism, it'd be the fact that he fights with his hands down. And that, that's going to work against guys like Charles Rosa and Tiago Trator and Godofredo Pepe. But the one time he fought a clean boxer like Calvin Cater, uh, you saw what happened in that fight, man. And not to say Kurt Holbo's on Calvin Cater's level because he absolutely isn't. And we've gone on record and said that Calvin Cater is a top five guy. But the thing that, that Holbo brings to the table is... I mean, he also likes to stand and bang in that pocket. And I don't mean stand and bang sloppy like Charles Rosa either. I mean, uh, when Kurt Holbo gets these wins, it's because he outboxes these guys. I just feel like uh, Shane needs to come out here and keep those hands up, man. I feel like the line could be a lot closer in a fight like this. So uh, I actually see there being a, a little bit of value on that plus 270 on Kurt Holbo. And I'm going to take him for the upset here. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Lando Venata. He's minus 260. The comeback on Matt Frivola is plus 220. Shaq, I don't know where to begin, man. Uh, you know, we got a history with Lando, but I'll tell you what, man. Even though he let us down last time, he changed camps. He got out of that fraud camp. Seems like he's in a good place mentally. Matt Frivola had to take a canvas nap last time. I don't know where to start, man. I mean, historically speaking, when Lando goes past that first round, <laughs> you know, shit doesn't go his way. But that being said, you think he can afford to go past the first round against uh, the lowest uh, step in competition he's had in his UFC career so far? Yeah, you know, uh, Lando might be in that damaged that damaged state, you know, with like a lot of like some other guys on this card, you know, uh, 
face bloody every fight and you know that takes a toll on you but you know he did uh change camps we'll see how it works out but this kid Frivola, you know he, he forces a lot of things he's uh you know he his nickname is very uh accurate you know he likes to try to steamroll you and you know at this level i mean you're gonna have to eat some shots man you know uh if he can get lando past that first round who knows but i think uh Frivola still needs a lot of work man to, su- to succeed at this level you know i think uh he just forces a lot of things, man. You know, even his contender series fight, it was real ugly. And, you know, I think uh, Lando should should take this one rather easily. You know, if, if uh, you know, he's a little refreshed, he's, a, you know, cleared his mind a little bit. I know he was going to do some things before his last fight. But uh, I'll take Lando Venata by TKO finish. Yeah, you know, I was glad to hear that Lando left that camp. Uh, you know, and apparently there were a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we didn't even know about, man. So the fact that that's behind him. Matt Frivola, look, he earned his way to the UFC. Let's not even talk about that contender series fight. What about on the regional scene? He went out there and beat Raush Manfio, who you and I are very familiar with. So, you know, Matt Frivola, he's definitely at the point where he should be in the UFC. Now it's about can he keep his job. It's one thing to get to the UFC. It's another thing to stay in the UFC. Obviously, that fight with uh, Polo Reyes, he got a little bit... He got a little bit excited against one of the hardest hitters in the division. And uh, if you don't know about the kind of power my boy Polo Reyes has, just go back and watch that Matt Frivola fight. That was uh, a stiffening. That that was a serious canvas nap. And uh, luckily, he's back. Now he's taking on Lando. It's just, uh, is Lando damaged goods or not? That, that That's the big question here. But even if he is, can he still cruise against a guy like Frivola who's not on his level? It's going to be interesting. If it goes past the first round, I do think it has the potential to get sketchy. And maybe Matt could grind on him a little bit, wear him out, because Lando's gas tank has been a liability in the past. But I'm going to say that fighting guys like Tony Ferguson, David Taymor, even John McDessey, all these guys that he's been fighting, Drakkar, it's a much higher level. And I think that experience will pay dividends here. I'll go with Lando Venata as well. And I don't think that it actually has to be in the first round. I think there's a chance he can win a decision here. But most likely... If this kid's uh, striking defense hasn't improved, Lando probably gets him out of there. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Lyman Goodies, minus 650, the comeback on Killer B. Saunders. Ben Saunders is plus 475. Shaq, I mean, it seems like a foregone conclusion that Lyman Good's going to come out here and knock ben, Sa- ben Saunders out, but I haven't really seen Lyman Good, you know, be that much of a knockout artist. He looks a lot scarier than he really is. Do you think that's actually going to matter here? Or do you think he's going to knock Ben Saunders out anyways? No, I, I don't think it's going to matter. You know, guys with two and three KOs on their record have KO'd Ben Saunders in the first round. You know, I, I like Ben Saunders. I think he's a tough guy. I'm a fan. I'll always be a fan. But, I mean, he's on the tail end of his career. And, I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse, you know. Uh, even his overall game, you know, he's reaching out for the clinch real slow plotty man you know he's got a solid body kick but you know i feel like that's more favorable against guys like slower guys that you know game is more uh favorable to wrestling like court mcgee but uh you know i, I see lyman uh you know i do agree with this he is he looks scarier than what he is but you know i still think he's a solid fighter you know uh in terms of over and unders and knockouts and this and that you know uh and not everything has to be a complete brawl for for some uh, for someone to get finished. You know, I feel like Lyman's just gonna walk him down slowly, pick his shots. You know, he's a Tiger Showman striker. You know, they uh, all of their fighters, but really besides Burgos, uh, they all got a uh, point fine in them. And you know, Lyman definitely his game is suitable to that. But eventually, he does have nine KOs on his record, which is uh, a lot. 
which is a lot, uh, surprisingly, for how technical he is. And, you know, I feel like he's just going to set up his shots and eventually find that one perfect shot to really floor Ben Saunders and get him out of here. You know, I think Ben Saunders, uh, I really don't think the guy should be fighting with all the damage he's been taking. But uh, I just see Lyman walking him down, picking his shots, you know, just keeping it close distance. Eventually, one of those right hands will land, and that'll be it. I mean, I can totally see it, man. It's just that I have to be honest about Lyman good style. You know, you see that fight with Zaleski, and between rounds, uh, he's telling his coach he doesn't want to swing because he's too scared to get knocked out. I know that's a different scenario. I know Zaleski, it's life and death. And with Ben Saunders, who doesn't have nearly the chin as Zaleski, you know, some of those shots he was throwing at Elizu might have already put Ben Saunders out a long time ago. So we might not even get to that point. It's just that even when I watch his fight with Andrew Craig, I see a point fighter in there. I know he's got the big muscles and he looks all scary and you think he's this KO artist, but he's really a point fighter. But he might still go out there and knock out Ben anyways because, I mean, that chin uh, has been tested more than once. But here's my thing, man. A lot of these Ben Saunders fights have been un- have been ending in under two and a half rounds. The under here is set at under one and a half. So it's going to come down to the wire. But I'm going to agree with you, bro. I'm going to say Lyman Good does come out here, set up his strikes, and eventually get Ben out of there. And, uh, you know, I do think it has the potential to get sketchy and possibly go three rounds, but I think it's set at under one and a half for a reason, and I think he's going to come through. Next up in the featherweight division, we got another Tiger Shulman guy. We got Julio Arce. He's minus 320. The comeback on Shaman Marais is plus 260. Now, Shaman went out there. He beat Matt Sales in his last fight. You think he's going to come out here and beat Julio Arce as well? Yeah, you know, this is going to be a solid fight. I really like Arce's game. Uh, You know, he picks his shots very well. He knows how to clear a storm. Uh, He can wrestle. I mean, he's been really dominant in his uh, career so far. And I like Shaman too, you know. Uh, His fight with Sales was very exciting. I mean, Shaman swings for the heavens. And I mean, he's got tons of power, you know. And he's a young kid and he's an improving solid camp. He's training with my boy uh, Kenny Johnson at Black House. So we know his uh, takedown defense is improving. But uh, I mean, it's going to come down to if uh, Arce can clear a storm and not let Shaman land the harder shots for two rounds. You know, the reason why he beat Sales was because, you know, although it was a very a very close fight, Shaman's power wiped out all this, the volume that Sales did. You know, he hits that hard. You know, he swings for the heavens, like I said earlier. So it's going to come down to Arce not letting Shaman make the crowd ooh and ah with these big, huge body kicks with these big, you know, straight right, left foot combinations. And, you know, uh, I do think Arce is the better fighter, but I, I do think it could be lined a little bit closer. I mean, this is two young fighters. You know, I feel like Shaman's a lot better than Tamor, a lot better than Ige and uh, these guys that Arce has been fighting. So, you know, I, I consider this uh, Arce's first drill test. So, you know, I will take Arce by uh, a close decision. I think he's going to get to Shaman late. You know, uh, Shaman, his cardio is actually, you know, a, a lot better for a Brazilian man. Uh, you know, he, he still can keep push a solid pace for two rounds. But towards the end of the third, you know, he does slow down like we saw in the sales fight. But uh, I'll take Arce by close decision. This is a great fight, man. You know, Julio Arce, one thing about him that I really like, it's not just his striking. It's not just the fact that he's able to mix in his takedowns. It's the kid's composure. You know, one thing that Floyd Mayweather said before the Conor McGregor fight was that, you know, it's one thing to be able to give it, but can you take it too? You know, because the criticism for a guy like Conor McGregor is, hey, the guy's a great fucking hammer, but he's not the best nail. Well, I'll tell you what about Julio Arce. Not only can the kid give it, he can take it too. So with a guy like Shaman Marais, who is going to be blasting those big left hooks, who is going to be throwing extremely hard kicks, 
Julio's able to take that, walk through that storm, and eventually get to Shaman in the second or third round. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen, Shaq. I think that Shaman's going to be throwing some big bombs for the first round and a half. I think that Julio's going to stay standing. And eventually the volume of Julio, the pace, the cardio, the will to win, the tenacity, it's going to be too much. And I see a third round TKO for Julio Arce here. Now next up, we got the rematch between Sajara Eubanks and Roxanne Modafferi. We got Eubanks, she's minus 650. The comeback on Roxy Modafferi is plus 475. Now Shaq, it was basically one-way traffic on tough. You think it's going to be a repeat here as the minus 650 line indicates? Yeah, you know, I think Roxanne's uh, definitely improved over the years. But at the same time, you know, there's still levels to this thing. And, you know, she does have 37 fights. But, you know, at the same time, she's still losing to two and two girls like Montano. She already lost to Sajara on tough. You know, uh, I think, you know, certain favorable matchups, you know, she can she can do fairly well in. I think she's definitely a lot better. But I just see Eubanks being a legit top five in this division. You know, I know she's only got six fights. But, I mean, you look at her losses, there's to two top ten girls in the UFC. Honestly, top six or seven girls in the UFC and Chukagian and uh and Aspen Ladd. So, you know, I, I really like Sajara in this weight class. I think she's a bulldozer. I think uh I think uh Roxanne caught it easy the first time, you know, I, and that was still thirty twenty seven. You know, even the time Roxanne got on top, she got Kamara swept. I just see Sajara being the better fighter in every aspect of the game. I feel like the weight's under control. I feel like she's just gonna rough Roxanne up in every aspect of the game. Jiu-jitsu, wrestling, boxing, clinch. Uh, you know, I don't see much options for Roxanne in this fight. But, you know, I feel like she can uh, go on to win some other fights down the road. But I got Sajara Eubanks by dominant decision. I got Sajara Eubanks as well, man. I feel like a lot of people have forgotten that Roxanne Modafferi is a bit of a joke, man. You know, I, and I hate to be an asshole and discredit the fact that you know, she made it back to the UFC because at one point she was on a six-fight losing streak and it was looking really ugly, but you know what, man? She put it together. She fought for the championship. She did these things. She got that win over uh, Honchak, but let's be honest here. Sajara Eubanks is not Barb Honchak. You know, Barb Honchak's 40 years old. Barb Honchak lost to Angela Magana. These are the kind of chicks that Roxanne Modafferi can beat. She cannot beat the elite. That's always been the case. It's still the case. And uh, Sajara Eubanks is considered a top three contender. So for that reason, I got Sajara Eubanks to come out here and put on a minus 650 type performance. Now headlining the prelims, we got Jason the Kid Knight. He's minus 270. The comeback on Jordan Rinaldi is plus 230. Now Shaq, Jason Knight's on a three-fight skid. He needs this fight badly. Taking on a former high school wrestler here. You think he's going to pull guard and try to go for rubber guard? Or you think he's going to get back to his uh, potentially sprawling ways like he did against uh, certain tough wrestlers that he's fought in the past as well? Yeah, um, this fight's really intriguing. You know, in the past, you know, everyone's heard me not rip Jason Knight, but, you know, just stating facts. You know, I think the guy, that old Jason Knight that we, you know, used to know and love is never shown back up again. I mean, the guy continuously makes bad decisions in his fights, but at the same time, he, he was fighting guys a lot better than Ronaldo. You know, uh, he was fighting Maquan, solid wrestler that can stall out top position. Gabriel Benitez, who's been in the top 15 in the past, uh, and Ricardo Lama. So, you know, it's if he, you know, at the same time, those guys are a lot better than Ronaldo, but some of his decision making in those fights is just uh, God awful, man. You know, you drop Maquan and you pull guard. And, you know, it seemed like he had cut that out of his game for a while, but seems like uh, he's resorted back to it. Now, the, the what this fight comes down to is uh, just the mental side 
for Ronaldo. You know, we already see Knight, you know, talking a little shit to him at the at the face off, you know. And uh one thing about Knight is, you know, although I think he's deteriorating fast, I think his chin's deteriorating, uh, you know, he needs this fight to not necessarily keep his job, but he needs he needs a win badly, man. It's been a while since a guy won a fight. And uh, you know, Ronaldo <laughs> You know, he's he's got the body, you know, he's big, he's pr- a lot stronger than Knight, probably a better wrestler than Rinaldi. If he had the right game plan, he could definitely stall out. But the thing with Rinaldi is, I know it's Gregor Gillespie, but you got to look at the performance, man. I mean, he was flailing out, flailing all over the place, and eventually, uh, you know, he got mounted, and, you know, that was that. And even the Abel Trujillo fight, you know, even though that's not the same Abel we see today, you know... Uh, it was one to one going in the third round, and you know he crumbled. So, you know uh, it is what it is. You know I, I definitely would never bet Jason Knight at this type of line ever. You know how can you trust the guy? And uh, just you know his life outside the cage. You know I'm not going to get into details, but you know uh, it is what it is. But I'll take Jason Knight just because you know I question Ronaldo's heart. You know I, I'm just not sure if. Uh, you know, he has what it takes to mentally stay in there. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if he came out here and, you know, stalled out two of the rounds. If Knight handed him, handed him this fight, like how he handed Malco on that fight, uh, you know, in um, his last fight. So, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. But I'll take Jason Knight by uh, a close decision. Yeah, it's a really interesting fight. I like both of these guys. You know, I had both of them on the show, obviously. Talk to Jordan Rinaldi's brother all the time. Super cool guy. You know, Jordan Rinaldi and I, you know, we always give each other shit because he likes – the Carolina Panthers, obviously, you know, I got to back the the ATL Falcons. So, you know, it's fun. But as far as being honest about the matchup, man, Rinaldi's in an interesting spot because when he was on the regional scene, when he was fighting in the NFC, I thought he was good enough to go to the UFC. You know, when he choked out Clay Harvison, I was like, be expecting a call very soon. Six months later, he got that call. So I already thought that he was UFC ready. The thing is, since he's been in the UFC – you know, we can give him a, a pass for the Gregor Gillespie fight. Okay, it is Gregor. But certain things, such as round three of the Abel Trujillo fight, you know, we can chalk it up to short notice, this or that. But, you know, you got to get past those moments, man. And I feel like there's going to be a moment like that in this fight. You know, if it's not a first-round finish for either guy, it could be one-to-one heading into that third round. And then we're right back where we were in that Abel Trujillo fight. Is he going to turn that corner finally where, you know, he can mentally take it up to that second gear? Or is that just the story of what happens in those kind of fights for Rinaldi? You know, even on the regional scene, I know Muntasri missed weight by a million pounds. I know Ortega's Ortega. I just got to go with what with what I've seen, right? And with Jason Knight, I mean, on his best day, he's beating Musa Kamenaev. On his best day, he's beating Dan Hooker. He's beating Chas Skelly. But man, his last three fights haven't been his best. I will say his Makwan Amirkani fight was a better performance than uh, his previous two losses. You know, goes out there, drops him twice. And then he was making some very questionable decisions, Shaq. You know, he thought he could submit Maquan. He's trying to pull guard. He's doing the whole bit that he used to do. You know, the things that we used to say, man, if you could just fix that one part of his game. Because he was going out there against Jim Ayler's. He was sprawling. He was going out there against Chas Kelly. He was sprawling. Then he goes back out there against Maquan Amirkani, and he goes back to his rubber guard ways. I know he did a couple weeks at Alpha Male for this camp, so maybe that's an indication that he's going to get back to his sprawling ways. Because if he gets back to his sprawling ways, I think he's got a good chance to win this fight. The place I see him potentially losing this fight is if he tries to, you know, pull guard. If he thinks he can submit Rinaldi off of his back, starts doing rubber guard. Rinaldi can definitely, uh, he's definitely a good enough wrestler to win those rounds if Jason wants to go to his back. 
But on the feet, I, I do see Jason's tenacity being too much for Rinaldi. I think he's got a better chin than Rinaldi. I'm going to go with uh, Jason Knight via submission here. Now, kicking off the pay-per-view, we got Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya. He's minus 325. The comeback on Derek Brunson is plus 265. Shaq, it's an interesting fight, man. You know, Israel, uh, I feel like the kid's getting better every single fight. That Brad Tavares performance opened a lot of eyes. If you want to be a top five guy, you have to beat Derek Brunson. Derek is uh, the definition of a gatekeeper. You think Israel can get past this challenge? Yeah, you know, this is an intriguing fight. You know, Derek, uh, I definitely feel like he was a lot better, uh, you know, maybe five, six years ago than what he is today, obviously. Um, you know, but occasionally he'll still pull off a couple good wins like the Machida fight. Uh, you know, he's got some nice knockouts on his record. At the same time, man, his approach to the game is just, you know, very uh, one-dimensional. You know, back in the day, he used to kind of utilize his wrestling more, but feel like he's got a little knockout happy and he just goes for the kill now at the same time you know his kill shots are hard man you know i mean he hits he hits very hard he's got a lot of knockouts over some guys that uh don't really get knocked out that much but uh you know israel adesanya you know i was surprised to see how much people were against him his last fight against uh brad tavares it was really surprising to me because you know i feel like this guy is a part of the next wave you know i feel like just his angles his footwork his overall game, like we said, uh, his grappling got a lot better, especially against a guy like Brad Tavares, who I do see as a, a better overall fighter than Brunson. I just think Brunson has one thing going for him, his power, but I feel like it's very easy to prepare for, especially a guy like Adesnaya, especially in that camp. That camp's uh, been doing very good. You know, I don't know what their head coach's name is, but that guy's uh, doing a lot of good things with him, Hooker, Volkanovski. So, you know, I feel like they're going to be very prepared for this power early. He's definitely going to have to clear a storm early. Brunson already said he's trying to get him out of there in the first round. So, uh, you know, I feel like Israel just needs to make sure that chin's down, you know, shell up. And I think uh, the longer the fight goes, we've seen in the past, Brunson's chin just can't take it. You know, when he can't get that knockout, like we saw against Rob Whitaker, you know, he got, it was embarrassing. It was ugly. It was sloppy. You know, the Jack Array fight, you know, he tried to be calm there and he got knocked out. The Anderson fight, he got outpointed. So, you know, I definitely see this fight. Uh, I don't think it's first loss time for Israel just yet. You know, I think uh, he'll take this fight by second or third round KO. Man, you know, a lot of people like to talk about how Derek Brunson is this great wrestler, but the reality here is that Derek Brunson have, has 18 wins. And 14 of those wins are inside the distance. So what he really is is a first-round finisher. And more specifically, he's a he's a knockout artist, man. You know, I know it's ugly. I know it's sloppy. But when Derek Brunson wins fights, more than likely, he's knocking you the fuck out in that first round. And he has gone out there and defeated some strikers, you know, guys like Uriah Hall, guys like Machida. You know, and now it's time to discredit those wins a little bit, right, Shaq? No, because, I mean, look, Machida's 40 years old, coming off the juice, coming off a three-year layoff. And fucking uh, Uriah Hall, I mean, the guy lost to John Howard. Look, what I'm trying to get at here is that Israel Adesanya is a guy that's making big leaps and bounds every single fight. Not to mention, let's talk about the size for the weight class. Six foot four with, I believe, an 81-inch reach. So that's already some serious uh, physical attributes to overcome. Not to mention his level of striking and his ever-improving uh, grappling. I mean, he hit a nice... Dude, he almost got Brad Tavares with the Kimura. He almost got Brad Tavares with a mounted guillotine. He hit him with a nice boot sweep. He stuffed most of the takedowns. I'd prefer for him not to go for a rolling knee bar in the first round because uh, what Derek Brunson has is serious knockout power. And even a guy like Israel Adesanya, who's as confident as he is, who's as technical as he is, as talented, as athletic, everything, 
Four ounce gloves. You get hit on that chin. You can take a canvas snap. It does not matter who you are. Look at Weidman. Look at Anderson. You know what I'm saying? So that being said, I don't think Derek Brunson lands the kill blow. Therefore, I think he loses the fight. I think that he charges in way too sloppily. His chin straight up in the air. He's too slow. I see it being a highlight reel knockout for Israel Adesanya. I know he's talking about submitting Brunson, but I just think that's talk. You know, I, I think it's fun to say certain things in the media, you know, get a rise. But at the end of the day, what they have is their skill set. And, you know, Derek can try to be a little bit more relaxed here. But at the end of the day, he's got to bite down. He's got to commit eventually. And when he does that, I think he's going to swing. I think he's going to miss. I think he's going to hit the deck. I'm going to go with Israel Adesanya via first-round knockout. And next up, also in the middleweight division. We got Carl Roberson. He's minus 280. The comeback on Jack Marshman is plus 240. Now, Shaq, similar to Shane Burgos and Kurt Holubo, these two are going to stand and bang until one man falls. Which man's going to fall? Yeah, you know, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Roberson tried to mix it up against a guy like Marshman who's had a questionable takedown defense in the past, like in the Magnus fight. He got taken down by Maheda as well. Uh, you know, he got taken down by Carlos Jr. So I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Roberson tried to use his jiu-jitsu like how we saw in the Stewart fight. But, uh, you know, on the feet, it's, you know, Marshman's definitely a little slower pace. But, you know, when Marshman lets those hands go, when, when he lets his hands go, man, you got to be careful because uh, even though he's kind of slow and stiff, I mean, the guy's got serious power. And, uh, you know, Roberson's still young. In it. I think he's very fairly advanced, you know, for being this young in his career. And, you know, that last loss he had against Mutanch, I mean, there's really no shame in that. You know, uh, <laughs> when a third degree uh, black belt gets on top of you, I mean, you know, there's a very high chance where that might be it. So, you know, I feel like this is a good fight to come back to. Um, I feel like Roberson's got the harder kicks. Uh, I feel like Marshman's probably got the better hands. But I see Roberson just landing a lot of low kicks, maybe a takedown here and there. I think it's going to be a solid, rough fight. Both men are going to be bloodied up. I definitely see Roberson wobbling at some point. But I see Marshman uh, just being a step behind. So I'll, I'll take Roberson by a close decision. You know... Initially going into this matchup, before I watched any tape on it, I was actually thinking that the line was a little bit wide. I was thinking it should be a little bit close. But then when I watched the tape, I kind of understand why the line is where it is. And, you know, Jack Marshman, I didn't just watch his UFC career, Shaq. I went back to Cage Warriors. And, you know, even though he is this uh, pocket brawler and you get caught on the chin, once again, just like Derek Brunson, not technique-wise, just power-wise, you get caught on the chin by those four-ounce gloves and, you know, you're going to sleep. But that being said... Jack Marshman does not have the best chin, and it's not just uh, the Maheta loss. Uh, even the fight against Che Mills, where he won via second-round TKO, he was getting wobbled all over the place. Even the fight with Abu Azaitar, he got knocked out in under two minutes. So, you know, Jack Marshman can't just think that if we keep this fight standing, we're just going to go out here and outbox this kid. I don't see it like that at all, man. And uh, Carl Roberson, for only being 6-1, and one, I'll tell you what, the kid's got serious composure in there. That fight with Darren Stewart... I actually thought Darren Stewart was basically winning the entire fight. One little mistake. And Carl Roberson capitalized beautifully, sunk the hooks in, got the rear naked choke. So that kind of showed me that, look, this kid can be calm in there. He is wise beyond his years. So that being said, I can actually see him kind of taking a similar approach, you know, take a wait-and-see approach, see what kind of stuff Jack Marshman throws at him. Because, look, Jack's got good footwork, good boxing, super experienced. But I think that Carl Roberson, eventually, he's going to start landing that body kick. And I think he finds the chin of Jack Marshman. I think he gets a knockout here, Shaq. I'm going to go second or third round knockout for Carl Roberson. Also in the middleweight division, we got David Branch. He's minus 345. The comeback on Jared Cannonier is plus 285. 
Shaq, we've seen Jared Cannonier at heavyweight. We've seen him at light heavyweight. Now he makes his middleweight debut against the perennial top 10 guy in David Branch. You think this is the classic letdown spot because Branch was getting ready to fight Jacare or you think he comes out here and takes care of business anyways? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a real interesting fight. You know, Branch has definitely been doing his thing. I mean, he is 2 and one with a... He put an end to Mahedda's knockout streak, uh, and he beat Kristoff when he was 19 and one. No shame in the in the Luke in the Luke loss, um, but you know he's champion in another organization. Uh, you know Cannonier. You know I do think he's a, a middle of the road fighter, but I can't necessarily say this is a step down in competition. I mean, the guy's been fighting number three guy in Blakovich, number another top five guy in Reyes, Glover Teixeira, top, you know, five, six guy. Uh, I mean, he's definitely been in there with some guys, man. So, you know, I can't necessarily say this is a step down in competition and he's coming down a weight class. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's used to fighting bigger guys, man. Uh, it's it's going to be real interesting to see how he uh, plays at 185. I still think, you know, his game's really one-dimensional. You know, I do see his wrestling defense getting a little better fight to fight. He is definitely getting up a lot better than what he uh, used to do, but he's still getting taken down. So, you know, uh, I think on the feet, I think, you know, the safe bet for Brunson to just keep – I mean, not Brunson, but uh, Branch to just, you know, get a win because this fight's going to be sketchy, man. You know, he – he had a fight with Jacare, and now you're fighting this guy that hits extremely hard. He's, I mean, Cannonier, like I said, he's a middle-of-the-road fighter, but one thing about him, you know, he hits hard and he's got power. He's athletic. He's got good calf kicks. And, uh, you know, I honestly, I do think he's improving in some areas, you know, even though he's been taking a lot of losses lately. But, you know, uh, the thing is I don't actually see Cannonier getting the job done. I just think Branch needs to play it safe, dump him, dump him, dump him, hug his leg. Play this safe. Don't give this guy the opportunity to touch you on the chin because the guy can swing. And, uh, you know, I, I see Branch just winning a solid 30-27 decision, you know, just staying in his guard, laying prayed. Just get the win, you know. Yeah, I think you broke it down really well, man. David Branch needs to come out here and not take any risks. I mean, you're supposed to fight Jacare. And let's talk about some of David Branch's uh, UFC wins. Obviously went out there and knocked out a guy like Maheta, was the first guy to, you know, and the streak of Christoph Jocko back when Jocko was 19-1. I know the Luke Rockhold fight, he tapped the strikes, but in my opinion, that was a smart move because if he wouldn't have tapped the strikes, he might have ended up like Weidman getting so much damage that he actually goes out there and gets knocked out his next two fights as well. Instead, David Branch was like, listen, man, I'm not going to get out of this fucking position, so why don't I just uh, live to fight another day? And he lived to fight another day. He goes out there and knocks out my head to his very next fight, so... Even though, you know, the fans might be like, oh, what a pussy and this and that. Uh, firstly, he's not a pussy. Second of all, he lived to fight another day. He won his next fight. And third of all, Jared Cannonier is not going to backmount David Branch. So I don't think there's anything to worry about as far as that. The only thing you got to worry about, once again, it's, it's back to that common theme we've been talking about on this card, man. You know, a couple of guys on this card, a couple of these underdogs. They have puncher's chances. These are four-ounce gloves. It does not matter who you are. You get hit on the chin clean, you're going to take a canvas nap. It doesn't matter if you're David Branch or whoever. So David's got to be on top of his game. You know, don't come out here, fight with your hands down, which he doesn't do. He's always a technical guy. But, you know, going from Ronaldo, who's, you know, top five, to Jared Cannonier, who's top 100, I, I get why he might be a little cocky. But I think the guy's a consummate professional. I think he's won nine of his last ten fights for a reason. I think he's going to come out here and get another win. I'm going to say David Branch via rear naked choke. Now, co-main event of the evening, 
We got Chris Wyman. He's minus 185. The comeback on Ronaldo Jacare Souza is plus 160. Shaq, we've been wanting to see this matchup for a while. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet, but now it's finally happening. Which way are you leaning? Yeah, you know, I feel like both guys are definitely closer to the tail end. I mean, Jacare is pushing 40. You know, uh, Weidman, you know, I still think he's a solid top five or six guy. But, you know, uh, in the long haul, you know, hopefully, hopefully he does get his title shot if he wins this. But, you know, just in the long haul with all these guys coming up like Israel and uh, my boy, the eraser Costa, you know, uh, you know, these guys are, are just fucked. You know, they're fucked on uh, in the long run in this middleweight division, man. But, uh you know, I thought Jackie Ray looked real old and slow in his in his last fight. You know, he definitely got dropped. You know, he still made it. You know, arguably close. A five eight uh, former welterweight. You know, uh, you know Weidman's a very tough guy to take down. Weidman's got one of the best single legs in the game. And, you know, I, I see both guys being a little old and slow. Uh, it's a really tough fight to call, man, because you know. I definitely think Chris has better cardio, and that's been a problem with Jacare in the past. You know, no offense to these uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, but, I mean, it's just a fact. You know, they uh, tend to slow down, man, especially if you can, you know, stuff their uh, stuff their takedowns. It's going to be interesting to see how Jacare approaches this, if he's going to try to stand with him or is he going to try to get on top of him because Wyman's jiu-jitsu is uh, no slouch either, man. The guy's a black belt under Danaher and Sarah, so, I mean, he gets some solid work in as well. So I see this being a closely, closely contested battle, but I just see Chris slightly, slightly winning this fight by a hair. I think it's going to be an ugly, ugly fight. I just think Jacare is going to slow down. You know, Chris is going to tie him up against the fence a little bit. Just not stall out the rounds, but just out position him slightly. But uh, it's going to be a close fight, but I'll take Weidman. You know, for a top five fight, I really have the feeling this is going to be an ugly, sloppy brawl, but it's going to be super exciting to watch while it lasts. I think the first round especially is going to potentially be chaos because you know Jacare comes out hard that first round. And uh, Chris Weidman, you know, he's never really been scared of anyone either. So I think they're going to meet right in the middle. And, man, the better man's going to impose his will in this one. It's just a matter of who is the better man. I think from a betting perspective, it is dog or pass, but from a pick perspective, I am leaning slightly towards Wadman because, you know, he has defeated these uh, jujitsu guys in the past. I know Damian Maya, you know, he is a welterweight, but the reason I bring that up is because not only is Wadman this great wrestler, but kind of like you mentioned, Shaq, he's also a Brazilian jujitsu black belt as well, so he's got both the grappling arts in his back pocket, not to mention his knockout power too, but hey, Ronaldo can knock you out too. Once again, four-ounce gloves, and I mean shin to chin. Like, you saw what he did to Brunson two times, so, you know, I wouldn't just come out here and discredit a guy like Ronaldo Souza, but that being said, I do see it going all three rounds. I think in New York, Chris will get the decision. I'm going to say Chris Weidman via majority decision. Main event of the evening, Daniel DC Cormier is minus 650. Comeback on Derek the Black Beast Lewis is plus 475. Look, man, one thing you and I can agree on is Derek Lewis is going to get his ass beat. But the question is, is he going to get his ass beat and win, or is he going to get his ass beat and lose? Yeah, that's a real question. Is he going to be the comeback kid again? Uh, he's got two more extra rounds to work with this time. Uh, I mean, we've seen him in the past in five-round fights, you know, lose the first three rounds and then get that fourth-round KO. So, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, man, I just don't know if Black Peace is going to be able to get away with it this time, man. Uh, Cormier is just too keen as things like that man uh, and his cardio he can push for all five you know i do definitely see some holes in cormier's striking game he likes to dip his head off to one side but uh you know i don't really see black beast being the type of guy to throw uh, high kicks but you know uh if black beast 
I know it has been in the past, but this is a new age heavyweight division. You know, we really haven't seen him against the best uh, hitters in the division. I know he knocked out Stipe in the first round, but, you know, uh, we got to see how it is long term. So, you know, I, I'll take Cormier by uh, dominant 50-45 decision. I definitely think there'll be a couple hairy moments later in the rounds in the fourth and fifth. I wouldn't be shocked if... Uh, if uh, Lewis kind of wobbled him here and there. But, I mean, when Lewis uh, gets you hurt, he generally closes the show, man. So, it's uh, he's Cormier's got to make sure he does not get hurt by this guy, especially not more than once, man. Uh, like I said, when Lewis gets you hurt, he closes that show. So, I'll take Cormier by dominant decision. Very interesting fight, man, because just like all Derek Lewis fights, tends to get his ass whooped and then come back and knock you out. You know, he's won nine of his last ten. He got this title shot for a reason. I called his uh, last fight against Alex Volkov pretty perfectly. But now against Cormier, I, I don't have the same conviction that he's going to come out here and get that comeback KO because I know from the bell, Cormier is going to be putting that pressure on him. Cormier is going to be mixing up the striking to his wrestling, you know, old school Kane Velasquez style. And that's going to wear out a guy like Derek Lewis. And, you know, Derek... You know, I think the back problems have been taken care of, but let's not forget, he was on the ropes uh, badly that last fight with Volkov. He's on the ropes every fucking fight, Shaq. So it's just about when he does throw that death blow and it does land on Cormier, does Cormier just eat it no problem? Or does Cormier wobble kind of like he has in the past? He did get dropped against Gustafsson. He did get knocked out against John Jones. Uh, you know, the Stipe fight was close while it lasted. So it's just very interesting, Shaq. There were sketchy moments in that uh, Volcan Uzdemir fight as well. But, I mean, there's sketchy moments in every single Black Beast fight. So I do think that Cormier is going to dominate him for the duration of the fight. It's just about is he going to get knocked out or not. I don't think he is, man. I think that he's going to come out here, play it smart, take him down, and get a submission finish. So I'm going to go with DC via submission. Now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, what's going on? Hey, man, not much. Uh, got another fight week, and we got more after this. So I'm in fight mode, ready to go. Uh, it's been a while since I've had a big week, and I think this is going to be it. Awesome, man. Well, listen, Derek Lewis is making his return against the champ champ, Daniel Cormier. He's won nine of his last ten. He seems to have a knack for getting that comeback KO. You think he's going to be able to do it once again here against the man himself, Daniel Cormier? No, I don't. I think this is all DC. Um, he might he might stand with him a little bit in the first round just to prove that he can. But if if he feels the power at all, uh, he's going to end up taking this to the ground as long as he's still awake. So I think it's just going to be complete domination by DC. Uh, he's going to get it to the ground. Uh, and he's just going to pound on him until he can get a submission or a TKO. I don't know what round, but it's going to be first three rounds. Uh, and I think he has... Definitely 100-point upside. I think he's the best play on the card. Uh, he's just 9,600, so you got to be able to afford him. I think you got to find ways because uh, you need the main event most of the time. And I think he he's – what's his inside the distance? Like minus 500. So I think he's got easy 100 points here, and I, I want to get him in as many lineups as I can. Yeah, his inside the distance is minus 505, so you know only a slight discount, but – Man, I mean, I feel like his pace is going to be too much for uh, Black Beast. I mean, hence the line. But DC does tend to duck his head a little bit to the side from time to time. He has been caught in the past. Derek Lewis only takes one punch. So, man, this upset, if it were to happen, would be absolutely incredible. But I love DC too, so I think it's going to be awesome to watch. But, man, 
this middleweight matchup between Chris Weidman and Jacare, I feel like it's one of these uh, fights that's eluded us for a long time. We've always wanted to see these two throw down. Now it's going to finally happen. Weidman's a slight favorite. Which way are you leaning? Uh, I'm leaning towards Weidman here. I-, I wish we would have seen this fight a few years ago. Um, yeah, like you said, man, I've been wanting to see this for a long time. This is one of the better fights in the division. And I, I think... I wish this was like the second time we've seen it. I would have liked to have seen it a few years ago in their primes and then maybe the rematch now. But we finally get it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I just I think it's going to be more of a boring fight. And I just think they're just going to kind of test each other out on the feet, not a whole lot of action on the ground. Um, and then I just see Weidman going for a few takedowns and just winning the rounds with, by grinding them out. Uh, maybe some, some ground and pound, but I don't see him getting the finish here. I think Suze actually has the better chance of getting the finish. So he's probably the better GPP play because he could go out there and maybe land a head kick in the first round and get a knockout that way, where I don't see Weidman having that first-round finish potential. So um, it's not a fight I love, but if I had to have it in my lineup, I'd rather just go ahead and take Suze at 7,700. David Branch is taking on Jared Cannonier. A lot of people would consider this the classic letdown spot because David was supposed to fight Jacare, one of the biggest fights of his career. Now he's fighting Jared Cannonier, who you know is a sub-500 fighter, but we've seen Jared in a couple different weight classes. We've seen him at heavyweight. We've seen him at 205. Now he makes his 85-pound debut. Man, that being said, Branch still has the height and reach advantage and experience, obviously. Which way are you going? I'm going with Branch here. I think, um, I think he's a solid play because I don't see many people going to him at 9,300 with these other awesome plays up top. Um, and I think he can finish this fight in the first round. I think he's the better fighter on the feet, actually, and I think he's just going to dominate if he gets takedowns. So I, I like Branch a good bit here. I do think, like, Cormier is a better play, of course, so if you can get him for 300 more, go ahead and do that. If you could put them both in lineups, then I think having Branch makes that Cormier lineup just a little bit more contrarian, uh, even though Cormier is going to be massive chalk. Um, so I like Branch for that reason. I'm not really too interested in Canyon Air. I think GPP only just for the knockout potential, but um, I just don't see me going there too much. Israel Adesanya gets a step up in competition against Derek Brunson. Man, I mean, Brunson's a first-round finisher. You think he's got a chance for the upset here? I think you should have at least one lineup on him just in case he can ruin the hype train, but I'm an Israel believer, and I think he's going to go out there and get a first or second-round knockout. Uh, I think he's the future champ, and this is just another step of showing that he's ready for it. So, I mean, 9,100, that's tough because you do need the knockout there. He's not going to go out there and go for takedowns. But, I mean, I I do see him getting that. So, uh, I'm going to be putting him in lineups. I think he's solid in all formats. But because I'm so high on him, I do want at least one hedge lineup with with, uh, Brunson. So, I'm looking forward to this fight. Uh, we'll see how good Israel really is, and I'm looking forward to watching this guy for the next few years. Jason Knight's making his return against Jordan Rinaldi. Knight's on a three-fight skid. He badly needs this win. He did this camp at Alpha Male, or a couple weeks at Alpha Male. And uh, Jordan Rinaldi, tough uh, high school wrestler. Who you got? Uh, I got Knight. Uh, I think he has multiple ways he can win. Knockout, submission, decision. Whereas Rinaldi, I think... If this stays on the feet, I don't see how he's going to win. I think he's got to get it to the ground and avoid the submissions and maybe grind out a top control decision or maybe even a submission of his own. I just think Knight has more ways to win 
And I really don't see either of these fighters being too highly owned. So I think it's a decent fight to target at low ownership, either side, uh, whoever you like. Uh, but I'm going to pick Knight to win. Um, and I'm going to say maybe a, a late finish or uh, a decision. Sajar Eubanks is taking on Roxanne Modafferi. They fought once on tough. It was one-sided traffic, one-way traffic, and now it's minus 600. You think uh, the favorite's going to walk away here with a win? Yeah, I think it's going to be real similar to their first fight. Um, I mean, a little bit back and forth, but Eubanks just being the more powerful fighter, getting it to the ground, um, and doing damage from the top. I don't see her getting the finish, so we're paying 9400 for her. I think that's a bit much, but this is going to be a higher-paced fight. Um, she's going to be very low-owned, because everyone's going to rather pay for DC. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess you could take a shot on Eubanks at the low ownership. I just don't really see her scoring more than 100 points. I don't think she's going to get the finish here. Uh, and then Roxy, I think, makes for a good cash game play because I don't think Eubanks gets the finish. I think Roxy can still put up, like, 30 points and a loss. So I'm all right with that in cash games. Uh, but other than that, I'm really not looking forward to this fight at all. So Julio Arce is taking on Shaman Marais. It's a great fight on paper. Julio Arce, I got to tell you what, the kid's super composed in there. He can come back if you get a lead on him. And Shaman Marais, Brazilian bruiser, the guy slugs, he swings big bombs. Which way are you going? I'm going Arce. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's either Marais early or Arce late. Uh, and I, I just think he's going to end up getting a submission later in like the third round. So... At 7,000, I think Marais is a decent play because he's going to come out firing, and if he can get a knockout at 7K, then he's going to be on the winning lineup. So he's worth a shot, um, and I think Arce is just a little bit too much at 9,200. So uh, it's not a fight I love, but I'm going to pick Arce to win. I think the later this fight goes, the more it swings into his favor. Ben Saunders is making the quick turnaround against Lyman Good, and I say that because Lyman Good's coming off over a year layoff. They got Lyman as a minus 700 favorite. Look, I agree that he should be the favorite, but I think that the guy uh, looks scarier than he, than he actually is. Which way are you lean? I think this is just as easy as that DC fight, really. I think this is a perfect fight for good. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's really too highly lined. It's just a clear early knockout, I think, here. The only shot I see Sanders having is getting this fight to the ground and getting a submission, but I don't think that's very likely. I think what's going to happen is uh, he's going to get knocked out in the first round. And the problem is that uh, Good is 9,500. DC is 9,600. I think both are going to get over 100 points. It's really hard to get them both in the same lineup. So who are you going to go with? That's the problem. Uh, and I would rather go with the champ. So uh, I'm not going to have as much good as I would like. But I think he's a good pivot away from Cormier in GPPs because he will be lower owned. And he has just as high of a ceiling. So, um, man, it's... If you got the balls to fade DC and just go ahead and take good, I think that could end up doing you some uh, some benefits if Cormier can maybe do like a third round decision and score 95 points. But I'm going to try and see what I could do, maybe getting them both in a lineup or two. But other than that, I have to favor DC over good, but they're both the top two plays. And last but not least, Lando Venata is taking on Matt Frivola. Man, Lando, you know, he switched camps for this one. He's no longer at Jackson Wink. Matt Frivola, obviously, he had a pretty embarrassing UFC debut. But it seems like every time Lando goes past the first round, shit doesn't go his way. So I got to know, man. You think this one's going to go past the first round? Uh, I don't know. I think Lando can win in the first round. Uh, but I also think he can win later. I think this is going to be his easiest fight to date. Um, he's kind of 
they threw him to the wolves right from the get-go. So I think they're kind of throwing him a, a bone here, like, hey, sorry about all those rough fights we gave you. Let's give you a chance to get back on track here. And I think it's just a great matchup for Lando. Uh, I do see first-round knockout potential, and he's only 8,900. So I think he's solid play for cash and GPP. Not sure about the ownership on this one. But I like this fight altogether. I think it's going to be one of the higher-paced fights. Um, so I'm going to have a couple for Volas as well, just in case uh, Lando is is just not going to be the same Lando that we saw earlier. So I don't know. I, I just like targeting both sides of this fight, and I'm definitely favoring Lando. So I'm going to have a lot more of him than I will for Vola. But this is one of my favorite fights on the card. So you think there's a chance that Lando might be damaged goods? I don't know, man. I heard he was doing uh, – he went to talk to some – somebody about like some mental issues he's been having maybe he's just not believing him in, in himself anymore um he does kind of lay it out on the line and if if he's uh gonna strike at a high pace here against Frivola who's also gonna go at a heavy pace uh maybe he's gonna gas himself out and lose late so I don't know man he's just a hard fighter to judge uh I just like the pace that he puts up in fights so that makes me want to just target this fight as a whole and I'm picking him to win so I got a favor him as a mole and more of my lineups. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. It's going down this Saturday. Fans can follow you at Big Marley 3. Kyle, any message for them? Let's get this money. And that's why Kyle Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Well, Shaq, it's going down this Saturday, UFC 230. So now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC 230? Yeah, my fight to watch is going to be uh, Montel Jackson versus uh, Kelleher. You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Kelleher. I like his pace. I like his tenacity. I like his chin. And this kid Montel, I mean, I think he's really got a bright future. And like I said, I mean, he's fighting these guys only a little over a year into his pro career. So, you know, I think if he gets a win like this, you know, against a top 25 guy like Kelleher, I mean, I think sky's the limit for him. So that's my that's my fight to watch. Yeah, that's definitely one of the fights to watch. For me, the fight to watch is Shane Burgos versus Kurt Hullabaugh. I think that it's flying under the radar. It's going to be super exciting. They're going to stand and bang in the center of the octagon. One man may potentially take a canvas nap, but either way, it has fight potential written all over it. Kurt Hullabaugh versus Shane Burgos is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC 230? My fighter to watch is going to be Sajara Eubanks. You know, I think... Uh... You know, although she's very uh, young in her career, I think uh, she's solid, man. She's got a Lloyd Irvin black belt. You know, she's training with Mark Henry and those guys at uh, Team Edgar now. And I think she's got a bright future, you know. Uh, she was definitely probably going to get that ass beat by Valentina. But, boy, if Nico would have fought her, that would have been a massacre. And uh, <laughs> uh, if she wins this fight, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if she got a, you know, a, a title shot or, you know, a, a number one contender fight. But I actually like her game in this flyweight division. And, uh, you know, I think uh, she's the fighter to watch. My fighter to watch is Chris Weidman. Look, now he gets his return at Madison Square Garden. Things didn't go his way his first two times in New York. We all remember what happened last time he fought at MSG against Yoel Romero. Now he's got a chance to redeem himself. I, I feel like it's been Weidman's dream to go out there and not just be the guy that got MMA legalized in New York, not just be the guy that brought the UFC to Madison Square Garden, but to actually go out there as an athlete and get his arm raised in his backyard. So for that reason, Chris Weidman is my fighter to watch, Shaq. Well, it's going down this Saturday, UFC 230. Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis going to be a great fight. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And, uh, Everybody enjoy the fights. Thank you to everyone that has our back. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.